Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Sleep, eh? What a nightmare! <laughs> it doesn't help that we are constantly bombarded with messages about the catastrophic implications of bad sleep. The pressure! It's enough to banish sleep for good. So we're delighted that this week the podcast is calmly sponsored by Oto's CBD Sleep Drops. Now, I've been taking them every night and I've found that I'm definitely calmer around sleep. When that loop of shame slash stress starts playing in my head, I can just wave it off and, well, turn over. One of the most common misconceptions about CBD is that it makes you drowsy, when actually CBD optimises your natural sleep-wake cycle. It helps the body effectively process stress and anxiety, and Oto is the UK's most awarded CBD brand. So why not give yourself the best possible chance of a good night's sleep with Oto Sleep Drops? Hi everyone, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I do not have any taste <laughs> at all. In fact, and this is not a COVID taste test thing, this means I cannot decide what I like and whether it looks good and whether I can put it together and um, I'm having it's a very middle class high class problem here because um, I have my loft done and you know how you think you're going to be able to do something magnificent you think and you then, have fabulous taste until you have to choose something and then I'm like oh I don't know I don't care I don't care what do you mean the door handles and I feel like the fact that I I feel like an actual failure at not being able to especially at like 47 when I should have read enough interior architectural digest or have done enough pinteresting or whatever it is to be able to just go have you yeah. done any pinteresting <laughs> <laughs> but also when you add money panic into that like you've got yes. one bite at this paint cherry yes you fuck this up you have to live with this yes for 10 years i've got a pair of curtains upstairs which i've loathed for seven years maybe it's why i don't sleep oh i see yeah well, I can have your curtains. I like them. <laughs> this would help. Anyway, so yes, high class problem, but I don't have any taste and it's infecting everything. And I feel. Is like it, do you think really it is? Is it making than... you feel anxious in other areas of your life as well? Yeah, I think so. Because I think, you, you know, like anything that chips away at one's vision of, of oneself as a competent woman yeah. who's out there in the world. Yeah, winning. I've got this. I've got everything I've got... except for how we dye the floorboards. Exactly. Or should we have, what kind of, you know, bath mat should we buy? Yes. I mean, literally, it, I feel sort of paralysis. It's just like a sort of, you know, posh paralysis. Terrible. Uh, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine. I should apologise to listeners um, if there is a, a strange sort of Wuthering Heights type sound effect that starts to interfere with the recording. Because my house, which is a sort of slightly grotty terrace in West London, 
when there's the slightest breeze, the wind whistles through the gaps in the sash windows around the corners, honestly, like I'm sitting in the middle of a Yorkshire moor. And that is happening today. And it's it, it, it actually, it's quite heightening emotionally, isn't it? I mean, it makes us all feel sort of even madder than we already are when we're working here. And it's like there's a terrible, epic storm outside. Yeah, no, I sometimes I go downstairs to like put the kettle on and it whistles at me the house. And I think, what are you saying? I know. Well, um, speaking of gothic horror, we are here today to talk about heartbreak. Listen, endings are bad or they wouldn't happen. The end of a relationship can make you feel sad and stressed and less than and any number of unhelpful feelings that you will generally metabolise and then you will move on. But heartbreak, real heartbreak, exists in a category of its own. It crushes us, it pulverises our self-esteem, it can make us physically ill in properly serious ways, utterly preoccupied and obsessed, brimming with self-loathing, delusion, grief, fury and panic. And then it doesn't go away, sometimes for years. If you've been heartbroken, you will know. It can be enough to stop you from embarking on new relationships. You wonder, can I survive that again? We very much hope that no one listening to this podcast is going through this right now. But if you are, there's a new resource. Our guests today are psychologists Alice Haddon and life coach Ruth Field. And they founded the Heartbreak Hotel, a retreat in Norfolk where they use their considerable expertise to help put shattered hearts and souls back together. So we've asked them to join us today to talk about how to go about mending a broken heart. So, uh, Alison and, and Ruth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, and I think the first thing I want to say is when you talk about heartbreak, people just think, oh, that's just someone who's a bit sad, maybe a bit bitter. It'll be fine, don't they? They do. And actually, that's why we set this up, because it became really clear to me that it is in a category of its own. And there's really not very much out there for, for people who are in that kind of really raw state, but raw can't move on state. Yes. I mean, I think that if somebody dies, you get lots of sympathy and your friends gather round. But I think that maybe that sympathy ebbs away more quickly if it's the end of a relationship with a living person. Yeah, it's it's strangely more normalised heartbreak. It's just something, you know, oh, you're feeling a bit sad. Oh, he's dumped you. Whereas everybody knows that grief through bereavement is is, is, a, is a big deal. But I think people just heartbreak is part of what it is to be alive and on you go whereas actually it's not it's a re- it can be really really traumatic and it can trap you for years in a kind of ruminative cycle of anger and bitterness and and you know lack of confidence and so yeah I think it's time to take it seriously. There's quite a sort of 19th century kind of attitude to sort of women and heartbreak too as well it's like oh she had a disappointment rather than her entire life was kind of, you know... Irre- blown up. Blown up and irreversible. It was like, oh, she had a disappointment back in the day. And actually, yeah. I mean, I feel like everything that I've read about heartbreak recently, including that scientist, Florence Williams, who's written a book about it, who basically gave herself... She got she got diabetes, she got an autoimmune disorder. Um, I think something happened to her heart. You know, it was it was all the panic. It really yeah, it was like at the end of her the mar- body kept the score. When her marriage walked out. And I mean her husband walked her out. Her husband walked out, <laughs> not her marriage. My well, God. Her marriage go. did her walk marriage out. walked out. But I think also we get preoccupied, don't we, with oh let's say it's a marriage. Oh God, uh, money and houses and children and the practical stuff. And so I'm sure you can often find yourself, you know, neglecting the horror that's going on inside your own, you know, heart and head. Yes, and it's that dissonance that at the Heartbreak Hotel we try and help women make sense of. What are some of the most acute cases of heartbreak you've seen? You know, how long have they lasted for? What have the, what have the symptoms been that you've diagnosed, really? 
Well, we do, when, a, when anybody comes onto the retreat, we ask them to tell us how they're feeling um, and how they want to feel at the end of the retreat. So we're sort of developing an inventory, if you like, of, of the feelings around heartbreak. Um, and there's, you know, there's anger, there's lack of clarity, there's confusion, there's disempowerment, there's uh, rage, there's helplessness, hopelessness. Abandonment. Abandonment. And then, you know, where we take them, which is, you know, does overlap with where they want to be, is somewhere that's much more empowered and free and clear. They leave feeling really clear about what they, not necessarily what decision they're going to make around the heartbreak, heartbreaker but really clear that they have the strength to meet the challenges that they're going forward into and they they don't feel angry anymore they feel calm and they feel peaceful and this is what happens when women get really into their own groove and realign themselves with their own strength yes you mentioned earlier getting back together with yourself (laughs) yes that's really what it's about this retreat absolutely and how uh, how much more so that happens when you put a group of women together with the same sort of architecture um, in terms of their heartbreak and creates a feeling around everyone helping each other. And this sort of lens of shared experience seems to magnify the process for them as individuals as well. And they really connect with each other, which is wonderful. Yes, because heartbreak, um, of course, is incredibly isolating, because uh, particularly if it goes on, then, then, when you, then you enter a period of shame. Why aren't I all right? Yeah, and the relief uh, that... I think they the women feel when they're given permission to talk about it solidly for three for three <laughs> days with each other, and no one's gonna kind of go listen. Don't you think you should be over it by now? And so yeah, they've often. I mean, we 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 sort of tend to have a guide of around after three months. Um, then that's kind of a, might be a good time to come rather than that initial stage where you're just in a kind of very naturally traumatized or heartbroken kind of grief stricken state. But then if it goes on that sort of also goes on beyond three months, then that's a good time. And it also coincides with when your friends start to kind of drift away a little bit, <laughs> get bored. Um, and and have, have you guys been heartbroken? You coming at this from a place of experience? Yeah, I mean, we do consider heartbreak to come from many different sources. So what we've been talking about until now is a kind of romantic heartbreak. Um, what prompted me to set up in the first place was heartbreak through bereavement when my mum died at the beginning of, Uh, the first lockdown of COVID and it put me really in touch with what's needed when that kind of trauma happens and I was considering you know took compassionate leave and had a busy private practice and I was just reconsidering things as lots of people were doing over COVID and it occurred to me there was a little bit of a mismatch between what is offered usually therapeutically, which is a 50 minute session every week, and what is really needed when you're heartbroken, whether that's through grief or through romantic betrayal or financial infidelity. And what what I felt was needed was this kind of wraparound intensive care uh, experience where there's hot water bottles, there's fires, there's you don't have to make any decision, there's great food, you're kind of told where to be at what time and you're cared for, you know, lift a finger and everything is designed to, you know, to, it's like it's like the tinfoil you <laughs> tinfoil the tinfoil they put around marathon runners so, yeah <laughs> it's like you're traumatized then you need that care so sweat it out now it's like a sort of immersive so, grief experience which i i think is i i think you're right because if you have to keep doing all the things that you're supposed to do in your real life you don't you constantly butt up against your the different the but also between your but feelings also you're and so structures. you're so compromised by heartbreak that in order to work and function that takes all your resources, so you won't have any 
fuel left to try and heal or move forwards, I suppose. Yes. And actually another thing on the retreat that we were sort of, I think, a bit surprised by because we thought one thing that needs to happen is for these women to be able to do the work. They need to have all of those decisions taken away so they don't have to do that. But also, you know, not to have phones and And not to have alcohol because... Those two things are hugely, you know, we use them as crutches, don't we, to sort of numb and distract us. And But we were surprised how readily the women give up their phones and are willing and able... didn't want them back. And <laughs> didn't want them back at the end. But it's it's extraordinary how much more space you have to shine a light on, you know, the uncomfortable feelings that you need to sit with in order to move forward once you, no long, once you don't have a phone or a drink, you know, to yeah. deal and with it at the end if, of the day. You know, if, 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 you've, if you've been, you know, if it's abandoned, if you've been left by somebody, it's that kind of heartbreak, then the phone is the portal to this sort of awful delusional possibility. You know, mm. you could, you, it's, it's gonna, a way to get to them, a way for them to get to you. If that's removed, then you can actually, you know, start to heal a little bit, I suppose. Exactly. So what processes do you go through and also but I also want to ask you what you would advise people to do who are in this predicament who who don't have the time or the money to do a retreat is you know how do you go about beginning this process when you're in hell well I mean I think the intensive care idea is the first thing you know that you have to give yourself permission to put the metaphorical tinfoil around yourself because that's that is what you need whether you know it or not that you know you do need to take care of yourself in that way One of the first things we do at the Heartbreak Hotel is we ask the women to write their story down of the betrayal, which is always a really helpful thing to do in itself. You can do that wherever you are. Mm. It's a hard thing to do that, though, isn't it? Because it kind of actualises it. Yeah, but that's that's important. And obviously the women coming to our retreats know that they will also read that out. So there's a purpose to writing it beyond putting it in a diary and keeping it under your mattress. So that's a that's a significant part of coming to a full awareness of it, sharing it. But then we at that point after that, we we then each of our guests takes a vow to no longer speak about the heartbreaker. So they're banished from the weekend at that point. And if you're at home, it because what we what we noticed is that there is as rumination and you probably know it from being with friends and you know, heartbreaking, that on and on, you're having a conversation and, it's, and then he texted this or she texted that and I can't and believe they did that. And then the awful sort of conjecture, yes. what do you think he's doing? What do you think he's thinking? Do yeah. you think he misses me? Do you think he's yeah. thinking about me? And also millions of reasons. Like, of course he's done this because he's, you know, trapped under a bus or whatever, you know, this sort of endless sort of fictionalising of why it is that he might be, beha- he, she might be behaving that way. Yes. So one of the one of the techniques that could be quite useful for people at home that Alice has suggested is called we we call it the rumination buster. And so you can't actually stop that process of rumination. And if you tell yourself to stop it, you're just going to increase it. But what you can do is say, right, I'm going to give myself half an hour between six and six thirty every day where I can let rip and just ruminate to um, my heart's content. But after that half an hour's up, it's up. Um, so you sort of allow yourself a slot in which to ruminate and then... It's like the worry on. slot. People use that technique for yes, anxiety, yes. don't they? Mm. You've yes. got 20 minutes a day to panic. And apart from that, you just have to get on with this it. This is the stoic meditation thing as oh, well. Oh, don't. <laughs> I, discovered, <laughs> I discovered stoic meditation, now I'm obsessed, which is basically where you imagine the worst things for like 20 yeah. minutes. Exactly. Great idea. And then, you, and then you move on. I'm not doing it, by the way, because I no, feel like I do, that, I do that all the time anyway. 
But I think... But it, um, it, I suppose it tugs the stuff out of your subconscious, doesn't it? It's there on the table. Look at it. And then go... So no more talking about the ex. No more talking about the ex. On, and we have another sort of mechanism which we call giving your ex the finger, which is to sort of... You imagine them, you shrink them right down to a sort of silly cartoon size or cartoon character and you kind of put them on the end of your finger... And then all those things that you hear them say, like, you're no good, she's better, or whatever it is, you just imagine them saying it from this position of... <laughs> so it just kind of lessens the power of them a little bit. And then, yes, the, the, the idea is that the healing comes from really focusing on yourself. Can I just go back to that word power? Because I think that's really important in this, in heartbreak. It, you know, when you are heartbroken, you have, you know, part of your power has been taken and the rest you've been busy giving away while you've been yeah. so sad. Mm. You know, just just literally throwing it at them. Please take it, take everything. You have, it, my future, my future happiness, sanity, lies in your hands, whoever you may be, who's, who's yeah. no longer here. So I think power must be, must, must be, must loom quite large over your weekends. I think that, you know, when, when they arrive, these, um, our guests are so disempowered that, and they're in a state of, I've tried everything, I've done everything, I don't know. So we, you know, once we've got a kind of, there's an arc of the weekend and the, the, the final section, I would say, is all about them rediscovering their own values, what's important to them, maybe what they used to do, but they've given up for somebody else. And, you know, so getting them so they really know what's important to them and that is empowering. So they, they have a kind of compass, if you like. So when they leave the retreat and they face their ex or their heartbreaker or the situation, they're in a position of, you know, the power comes from this, this grounded in them being grounded in themselves. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you think that just sort of the existence of you as a heartbreak hotel, as a space, as a place is sort of empowering for women who are in this position because it feels like it, you validate their pain and their grief and their process in a way that, like we've been discussing, kind of society doesn't. Do you find that they turn up and go, just thank God you're here, just because even just the idea of it is enough to kind of push them into a... And to feel seen. Exactly. And to feel like there, there, is, there, is, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, because I think you don't really feel that when you're in, a, in this very bad place. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of, um, thank God, yeah, like, especially the, the first sort of people that contacted us, when we started to put the message out, they were like, oh, I can't believe you're here. And, and you know, now we can, you know, we've done, we've done it and we know that it's useful and helpful and, dare I say, transformational. So we can now say to them, come, please, I'm so glad you contacted us. We are here and we can make a difference. So it's nice. Yes, there is something amazing about that now. It's when we first started, you know, you're hopeful that the programme we've created is, is going to work, but you don't know. Whereas now, whenever someone reaches out and you have a call you just have this sense of, oh my goodness, it's going to be amazing for you because you're going to come and we're going to be able to take you to such a different place. Um, and it's a really amazing feeling to have the confidence to say that with great authority, you know, definitely sign up, you know, you're going to love it. Because I suppose you started it speculatively, you know, you were like, I, we hope we can help. 
Um, and to England's, an extent, not, England's yes. not brilliant with heartbreak, is it? Unlike the Germans, where they have a special word for it, which I can neither remember nor pronounce, and say, that's the one. What does, say, it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Love grief. <laughs> love grief. And they say, they say, you're in love grief. Please take some time off work. We completely understand. You know, it's a bit stiffer up, stiff upper lip here still, isn't it? So you're able to say, no, 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 no. We're going to try something new. And, uh, and, and, and it looks like it works. Amazing. What have the results been like? What has the process been like for your, I won't say inmates, but I should what, say patients, clients, guests? Guests, we like to call them guests. <laughs> I like inmates. Um, so we, yeah, we're developing a sort of evidence, if you like, of, it, of its power. Um, it's in the early stages, but we did a sort of before and after survey of our guests based on the feelings that they were feeling when they came, see if they'd gone up and down. And um, it was staggering. There was an 85% improvement in feeling free, 76% improvement in feeling empowered. And things like anger were reduced by 70%, heartbreak and exhaustion by over 60%. So they really had turned around. So you could say, well, that's just because it's a retreat and it's lovely and they're looked after and they're in the sisterhood. And But, you know, we get, we will also support them afterwards. And so we're going to be doing the sort of like longer term look at how, how to, are they sustainable, those feelings. But obviously people meet their lives when they leave and it goes and up and goes and down. But we're still in contact with the people that we saw in November and they're all, you know, yeah, they're having their tearful moments and but they're supporting each other in a whatsapp group and they're reminding each other and they're doing extraordinary things that they didn't think they could do so mm. it's um well it's like heart rehab isn't it you go rehab. in you and then it's go, one day at a time and then it's one day at a time you get through and mm. some days you're going to be you know and habit winning. forming good yeah. habits i suppose it's, it sounds like it's it's a springboard into your future because um you know because heartbreak you know you might as well have be, be you know, stuck up to your knees and super glue you can't move it it kills your dynamism unless you're doing something mad you know that yeah. that particularly fla- that particular flavor of heartbreak where all you can do is really really mad destructive things so that's yeah, unhelpful I too i know you know what else is interesting is that the the, the age range of people who came mm. on our first street was oh, older than we thought and so it is a kind of more of a middle-aged response at this point and it's talk about being stuck in the mud you know it's also mm. a point where you know, women often haven't looked at themselves for a decade or two. They, they've kind of been taken care of for a long time. Um, and th- yeah, they haven't turned the light on themselves. So heartbreak at that point is particularly challenging. But it's also a great opportunity, right, to be forced to look at yourself. But yeah, it's not an easy time to be experiencing a heartbreak. Do you think as well, our sort of you know, you said it, it started because of your the grief around the loss of your mother. I'm sorry for your loss at the beginning of the first lockdown. But do you think that the sort of the last two years have created a kind of collective grief trauma that makes everything more acute because of the kind of sort of sporadic lack of stimuli, external stimuli, being locked down, being possibly locked down with the person that you are trying to separate from or whatever. And this sort of real roller coaster that means that, you know, that it's actually so much harder to kind of unpack. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think there's a global heartbreak that's been going on over the last two years. And the focus has had to be on the on your relationships because everything else has essentially been stripped away. Um, so not notwithstanding the fact that there's been a, a whole load of grief because people have lost their 
loved ones in really hard circumstances but yeah as you say people have been like right up <laughs> up close with their mm. their partners and you know yes there have been infidelities you know in all sorts of ways and i think then if there's a problem in the relation you're also stripped of other relationships and other ways that you might go and i don't know play squash <laughs> i don't know why said squash you know so yes i think <laughs> go and play squash yeah um yeah singularly unhelpful isn't it <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can scratch that off the list of home to, home to. Yes. <laughs> but i think i mean it's no i there's definitely been an explosion in divorce rates and breakups so there's the very obvious correlation between something like the heartbreak hotel and there being a huge surge in relationship breakdowns um, as a result of the pandemic. But also, interestingly, when we dived, you know, deep dived, oh God, I hate that expression as well, cut that. But um, the, the, whole, the whole divorce thing, um, it became apparent that a lot of these inquiries are coming from women. And so there's this also this sense of, you know, women are really taking charge and no longer feeling ashamed of their heartbreak or you know, ashamed of staying in a relationship that isn't, you know, quite working for them. It's like, actually, I just want something different. It's not necessarily that my husband or partner has been having an affair. It's just that I don't really like him that much anymore. And I'm moving on. Thank you very much. It shows how much more empowered women are becoming too. Um, I think there's anger in there as well after the last yeah. two years. Yes. Because women have been like, you know, women have done everything. Yes. You know, being, you know, thrown under that bus yeah. so it's just fury and desperation this is this is not okay yes and i've I had also, enough i wonder whether the me too movement that kind of in a way you could pandemic has kind of come on the heels of that women are feeling in a different position in terms of who they are in terms of their femininity their sexuality how men treat them so i think it's a sort of awakening perhaps um, i feel like it's changed more in the last two years than in the last mm. 10 yeah, I do. I, I think you're right. I think the idea that we would continue and this is, you know, particularly with the long lens of, you know, 47 years or whatever, that we would continue to put up with the kinds of things that we put up mm. with seems absurd. That we put mm. up with at 23. Exactly. Just yes. thinking that we had it all. Yeah. Someone had and the hand up we... us, girl, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and refused to promote us. <laughs> <laughs> or pay us actual money. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yes, no, I do think that I'm interested as well in the idea. Do you think that um, I mean, obviously, your most pressing concern is to kind of help someone get back together with themselves after over heartbreak. But do you think that are you planning to expand the heartbreak hotel to be about all aspects of your life? Because I think that you can have, you know, career heartbreak where you feel or basically all basically purpose the heartbreak where you no longer know what you're here for. Exactly. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Identity yeah. heartbreak. But I think a lot of women coming out of the lockdown will coming out of this particular period will have that identity because you have spent so much time being pulled in so many di different directions whilst also being stripped of context and exactly. you know, if life is all about context it's gone and then it reappears and you realize that it isn't it isn't what you want at all yeah mm. and i think probably a lot of women will be standing at the edge of the kind of the openness of lockout whatever it is and freedom thinking fuck what is lockout i don't, I don't know. know anyway <laughs> lock up, you know what I, lock up. I don't. scratch this too the squash, great unlocking deep dive lock it, the great unlocking well the, i mean none of us can like, string a sentence together <laughs> anyway sorry my, that was my question my, there was a question there which was are you going to expand the heartbreak hotel to? i mean definitely it's that you you just named so many important heartbreaks um and there's body heartbreak as well in terms of women of our age you know identity youth all sorts of things 
And um, so, yes, we've got big plans and people are suggesting things, you know, friendship breakups, menopause, you know, loss of children, loss of others through through grief. There is so many, loss, loss of yourself. And, and what's interesting, I think the programme that we've created, which I think really was, you know, I've listened to women for, you know, 20 years as a psychologist. It sort of, it kind of does also transcend heartbreak and is something about women women's journey towards themselves and their own empowerment so mm. whether it's about menopause or infidelity or friendship there's something that's shared in all of these experiences in the in the recovery of it mm. these you know us women heartbroken women whatever kind of heartbreak need to regroup with who we are and get our strength and get our sense of power in order to and allow and be with each other and allow ourselves mm. to to be relating in that way because it isn't just who we are is it it's who we could be because heartbreak robs you of that of the power of possibility and that's really where and that's one of its most insidious um symptoms i think yeah that's so good to be reminded yeah true so true that there, you know, that there, that there is a path ahead, even when you think there isn't. So I want to see if I can milk you for a couple more tips for people who perhaps don't have access. So I love the idea where you have your, your, your 20 minutes of rumination a day, and then you just really need to stop thinking about them because you are yeah. giving away too much power. Well, you've got them on the tip of your finger with a silly sort of cartoon voice, yeah, possibly yeah, naked yeah. and sitting on the loo, you know, <laughs> spouting even all the better. shit they always used to spout. Yeah. Are there any other things that you just, that, that people can do when they're feeling really desperate? Well, we we quite like urge surfing. Um, oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> I which, love the sound of this. Yeah, it's you know that feeling when you're having you know something's really intense—the rage or the despair or the hopelessness or indeed the desire to go and knock on their door at three o'clock in the morning yes. and, and say why and say why how who who is she? These aren't the best. The the a they're, they're not best not the best times to act but also when we're feeling something strongly we think it's going to go on forever we think we just you know we can make irrational decisions in those states now it feelings do ebb they naturally peak and they do naturally pass it's just that we can't know that in the time in the peak moment so urge surfing is a reminder that you can hit the peak and, and if you just allow that to happen you'll surf gently towards the shore where you can regather yourself and you know brush off the sand and if you in fact if you do that if you resist the desire to send the text knock on the door do what it might be then what you're not feeding the beast so actually you know so it will it will naturally start to you're not feeding the habit really well, that's another good one, feeding, mm. you know, how to, you know, becoming feeding aware of how you're feeding, yeah, feeding the tiger. We've got a metaphor around that. This, you know, that the more you feed it, the more it grows. So whatever you want to call that, it's really, and you know, this, this um, what do we call it? Collaborative rumination or collective rumination yes. when you do it with your friends and the friends get involved. Can't believe and, you did that. Can't what believe did you did that. You do and you think you're helping your friend because you want to say, yes, it's awful. I know he's a shit or she's a shit. But actually, that's just feeding the beast, isn't it? And it's been shown, actually, that that collective rumination, when it's done in a group, can actually extend through generations. Like the, these, that grudge can be held for across generations just, just from that group sharing of that, all that negativity, mm. which I thought was fascinating when we were mm. reading about it. Yes, because some of the stuff that we've all thought was helpful for, you know, since we were teenagers 
you know, the 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 the, 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 the getting together, you know, thinking you're having group therapy with your friends, but in fact you're doing group enablement. Yes, collusion. Yes, yes. And group collusion. Yeah, when you say, yeah. of course he likes you, he just likes you too he much. He likes you That's too why much. He's not texting yeah, you. exactly. I mean, come on, girls. I, mean, I, yeah. I have said that. He likes you too much, he can't cope with his feelings. Yes, I mean, like, oh, God. <laughs> of course he's trapped under something heavy, yeah. which is why he's not texting Down a manhole. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so in, yeah. A, in a sense, the, 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 the awful truth is with heartbreak, and this is, it sounds more brutal than I mean it to, is, it, is that we all have to sort of grow up a little bit and try a different way. Because maybe the, what we've been doing hasn't been working. Well, just back to your point about being British, maybe there is something a little bit about, you know, that the pathway through to recovery is to have your feelings, even though it's awful, rather than to avoid them or ruminate on them, which a rumination is really just an, an emotional yeah, avoidance. Yeah, go through it rather yeah. than around it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, feels almost impossibly painful, and which is maybe why, if you can institutionalize yourself for three days with yeah. cozy beds and hot water bottles and, you know, nice dinners with you guys, mm. then it gives you, it it makes you feel supported enough to go to go through that the beginning of that really hard stuff rather yeah. than just to keep avoiding the reality of it. Yeah, and I think because we don't take heartbreak seriously enough, there isn't really a, a roadmap through it so much. You know, you can go and see a bereavement counselor, but it's not the same really. It's similar, but. So, yeah, it's, it's yes, I can go to this place and be looked after. And also, look, they represent some way out of this, which I think when you're really heartbroken, you just can't see a way out, can you? No, and just booking yourself into the retreat is your first step in finding some kind of possibility or hope. Or Showing you've got faith of... in your own future. And exactly. if you don't have faith in your own future, then you know you really have a problem. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. I, I think it's amazing. So people can find you. Uh, where can they find you? Well, they can find us through our website, which is www.theheartbreakhotel.co.uk. We love hearing from anyone and everyone. There's a form on the website to fill in if if someone is heartbroken and wants to find out more about the retreats. But also there's other stuff on the website that's helpful. There are some points and there's a blog and um, it really gives you a sense of a micro blog. We like to speak because it's very, very short. Um, <laughs> it's and, always a relief. <laughs> it's always a relief. Well, there you go. Exactly. And also we, we ask guests to write letters rather than testimonials because we want to be able to try and communicate to other women who, women who are heartbroken what's it like. So there are some letters on the website from our guests so that if you're wondering, well, what is it? Is it going to be? Is it, is it for me or is it not? You can read those and then you can see, well, am I, in, am I up for some of that? And then you'll, you'll probably go, yes. Literally itching to go and read them now. <laughs> There's even a poem on there. <laughs> I mean, it's, fa- it's just fascinating. It's just, it's just, it's endlessly fascinating. Well, I mean, you know, thank you so much for coming to see us because it just feels like you're, you know, taking some bad stuff out of the world and putting some good stuff back yeah, in because, as we say, this stuff is, can be extraordinarily painful. Mm. So maybe, hopefully not, but maybe we'll see you there one of these days. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. Sleep soundly with Odo's CBD Sleep Drops and there's 20% off for listeners with the code MIDALT20. MIDALT20